0: let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. And soon, yes, soon, and very soon, we are going to see you. Until then, Father, we rely upon the presence of your Spirit in our lives, which is the down payment He is of a guarantee of the hope that is within (coughs) us. And I pray, God, that we will be able to show that hope everywhere we go, the understanding that Jesus is the only way, and that every one of us, at one time, will kneel down in heaven and father we will confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god and this morning we want to bring glory to you as we sing the songs of the faith father as we listen to what your word says the prayers uh, the scripture every element of this time of worship that god it would be an aroma of praise to you and so today help us to hear Help us to experience your presence. God, help us to respond to the speaking of your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's good to have Gordon with us again. Gordon Christopher, yeah? Thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate that. Kind of a strange uh, to see Nancy back in the uh, choir loft. <laughs> she. She's doing well, looks looking good back there, looking good back there. And it is so good to see each one of you. If uh, you are here for the very first time or have never filled out one of our guest cards, we would just ask you to take the card in the pew in front of you, fill it out in its entirety, and when you leave, just drop it in one of the offering boxes. We would certainly appreciate that. We are looking forward to a, a wonderful time of worship. And I also want to just remind you right up front that a week from today is Palm Sunday. And at five o'clock uh, our choir is going to be presenting an easter musical that has a message that is so powerful and then we begin our holy week services all through the week and the information is in the bulletins in the upbeat that uh, most of you have received it is going to be a very very special time so i just ask you if you would plan on being here and uh, as you leave today there are cards at uh, each of the uh, each of the lobbies take two or three or four Go out and pass them to your neighbors about all the information about Holy Week culminating with Easter on the 9th of April. We are looking forward to that time. We got a surprise next Sunday, too, for you. It's going to be exciting, but today it's exciting because you're here and we're going to continue to sing, giving honor to praise and praise to God. So if you'd stand and let's, let's get our songs going and have a time of worship and praise together. Lord I lift your name on high Lord I
1: of the Lord is we are standing on holy ground.
2: It's hard to explain to somebody what it's like to live on the street if they never lived on the street. Most of the people out on the streets either have mental illness or they have an addiction. I just went over the edge, ended up getting heavy into some drugs, and I lost my job, I became homeless. I was constantly heat exhaustion, alcohol poisoning, I can literally say I was dying. Somehow my parents got a hold of Kay. And that's what opened up the door for me to become sober.
3: I met Yvonne, and she was homeless on the street, came to Friendship House, and things begin to change in her life. Baptist Friendship House is a ministry center to folks that are impoverished, to folks that are unhoused, and to human trafficking survivors. We're able to provide them a meal. We're also able to meet those basic physical needs that, that others may have. It opens the door to minister to the spiritual need so that a life-changing relationship can begin with Jesus Christ. We have a creative arts time, and usually that's pottery. They'll begin to open up and start sharing things during that time.
2: When you sit there and you have the clay in your hand, you know what you're going to be doing like that and what's going to become of it. But the clay doesn't know what it's going to have to go through to get to it.
3: Sometimes our lives are broken, and we're like just a big old lump of clay, and so lives can be molded and shaped by Jesus to be able to accomplish his perfect will. I have never seen a life change like Avon's, and it's just been amazing to watch God work in her life and then see how he's using her now in our ministry.
2: I never would have thought that I would be where I am today because I had no hope. This place saved my life.
3: When you give to Annie Armstrong, you help to make my ministry possible. Jesus never gives up on you, and so we should never give up on anybody else.
1: I see here that the goal for the Easter offering is around $13,400. We are still a little bit short of that goal, but that's okay because there are some offering envelopes in the front of you that, in the uh, pews <laughs> that if you wish to donate to that, it certainly is still not too late. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, and God, we just thank you for this wonderful place that we can come to where your angels are attending, and we are standing on holy ground. And God, we just thank you for this church. We thank you for the church body. Father, we thank you for Pastor Kirby, and pray, Lord, that you'll bless his message this morning, and pray that we'll have open hearts, open minds, Lord, to hear what you have to say through him this morning. Father, as we now about to get started on Christ Passion Week, We pray, Lord, that you will bless those times, bless the services that are going to be held here the coming week. And God, we just thank you that for your plan of salvation, that Christ died for our sins. But next Sunday, we're going to celebrate, celebrate the fact that he no no longer is dead. We have that same promise that if we believe in him, that he will be coming soon and very soon to come and get us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: As we worship the Lord and see him exalted, we
1: should be moved to service. We should want to serve him and serve his people and the entire world. I hope you have decided to do that. This hymn talks about it. I am resolved no longer to wait, but to serve him beginning now.
0: I'd like for you to be seated and I would like for you to
1: either sing these words or to think of them and see what's important
4: to you and make this a prayer.
5: (laughs) He's faithful.
6: Our scripture reading today is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. We hope you are blessed by this reading. Verse 7 But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith. In Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith I want to know Christ (coughs) yes to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead May this reading bless our hearts and uh, uplift our spirits since these are the words of the Lord.
1: times I feel my faith begins to waver when up ahead I see a chasm wide. And then
5: I turn and look up to my Savior Strong when he is
1: by my side.
0: Very much. Beautiful song. And y'all have been singing well today. Great time of worship and celebration. Well, we continue on in our series on the book of Philippians. We're in the third chapter. We've been talking last week about life's greatest treasure. Life's greatest treasure for the journey. I want to continue that today. But if you remember, Charles Dickens, a Christmas Carol, is quite possibly the most famous Christmas story ever written. Initially, the story finds Scrooge on Christmas Eve. He's lonely and he's bitter. Um, he's selfish, but he's rich. He has a great treasure. He's wealthy. His miserly habits towards others have driven everyone away, even his family. And then he was visited by the ghosts of past and the present and the future. And at each stage, he saw what would happen to him if he didn't change his ways. Things like isolation and bitterness and loneliness. Scrooge, as we see toward the end of that great movie or the book if you've read read that he changes his ways in some sense there was a genuine repentance turning around a transformation and the story ends with these words he knew how to keep christmas well it shows a changed life and that's the kind of life that we could have Scrooge's transformation, I believe, from a selfish, self-centered lifestyle to a generous and one that is hospitable towards people, it changed everything. It tells us that redemption, transformation is not only possible, but it's real. And it's that way in the Christian life too, because when we come to a place of understanding that That our life without Christ brings that isolation, potentially that bitterness, the the self-centered focus, the loneliness, and we turn to Christ, and we repent of our sins. There's a transformation that takes place, and it changes us completely. We become that generous person, that hospitable person, that person that people actually like to be around. And that leads us to life's greatest treasure last week I said that life's greatest treasure cannot be acquired by good works nor can it be earned by personal merit just not not able to reach out and to touch that ourselves but there's a final thing that I think that needs to be said and I want to focus on that entirely today and that life, life's greatest treasure is worth any cost. Any cost. Paul said in verse 7, But whatever was my to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, remember, way back at the beginning of the series, we talked about Paul and where he was. He was in prison, house arrest, couldn't go anywhere, had Roman soldiers attached to him. Here he he is in this situation because of his love and his passion and his obedience to Christ. And he's able to write these words because he was really something in the Jewish Sanhedrin. Whatever was to my profit in the past, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. If you remember, once Paul counted his, his legacy, his heritage, his merits, like Scrooge who could hear the clink of every single piece of gold, that's what Paul is saying here, that's that's what I held on was my heritage that we see in verses 4 through 6, and who he was because of his heritage and his merits. But then on the road to Damascus, he had a life-changing experience. His values were different. In fact, his values were so different that, that he found something of infinite value that he was willing to pay any price whatsoever for. So Paul's personal ledger of assets and liabilities changed. Those things which had a plus as far as assets and those things which had a minus for liabilities switched completely. He saw things differently. The things he once held on to as valuable and what he, he... strove to achieve now he said those those aren't worth it in verse 8 the first part he says what is more what is more than everything considered lost for the sake of christ he says everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing christ jesus my lord that is such a profound statement. Those introductory words in verse 8, what is more, according to uh, Kenneth Wiest, a renowned Greek scholar, are five participles which literally can be translated yea, indeed, therefore, at last, and even. How do you do that with these three words? Let me tell you, Paul was driven by his consuming passion. He He loved Christ so much, Christ drove in him this understanding of what his mission was to accomplish. And so Paul, in writing this, was so excited that he piled these participles, one on top of another, to focus on what is more. At the outset of his Christian life, Paul considered everything a loss for Christ, And the use of the present tense here indicates this, his attitude after all of these years had not changed. And I think that's important to understand because when people come to know Christ, and it is a transformation in our lives, we're so excited, we want to be engaged in whatever God wants us to be engaged in. But over the course of the years, sometimes we can just get into routines or ruts. And our relationship with Christ becomes more of a religion than a relationship. We still have Christ, but we look at it in an organized sense rather than this dynamic, living, growing relationship. But Paul said here, he said, listen, even even these long years after my Damascus Road experience, he said, whatever I traded have Christ was worth it all I love the song I'd rather have Jesus because it clearly identifies exactly what Paul is saying here the surpassing greatness of Christ he says in verse 8 is to Paul life's greatest treasure compared to all that he had learned In his education and at the feet of Gamaliel which is probably one of the greatest Jewish teachers and all that he had learned from others he said my knowledge of Christ is of surpassing greatness what I know about Christ my relationship with Christ is the greatest thing that could ever happen to me it's not mundane it's not one compartment of my life it is all of my life All of those years, maybe some 30 years, Paul continued with that passion. As though he had not spent enough time on the value that he had received with Christ, contrasted to that which he was before he met Christ, Paul said in verse 8, I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. Nothing else mattered to Paul. He was willing to lose every earthly possession that he had for the intimate knowing of Christ to the very depths. And he considered everything else worthless. He labeled it garbage. Garbage compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as his Lord. So his supreme objective was to gain Christ. And that should always be a question for us. Is that our supreme objective in life? Is to gain Christ? And I don't only mean by salvation. I also mean by our continued growth and our intimacy with him. To where we know him. And we know him. And he he goes on then in verse 9 and he said, And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, it's not from the things that I do and how hard I work toward the things of the kingdom. But he says, But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, is by faith he's making it as clear as possible he had already been down the track in religion of working hard harder and harder persecuting those who were believers doing everything he could to protect God in the name of God until he met Jesus and everything changed and he realized it was by faith that you're justified Paul had surrendered his self-righteousness for the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith Dr. Frank Stagg said that this righteousness that Paul's talking about in this passage is to be understood as a synonym for salvation here's what he said God accepts the sinner with a view of making him righteous righteousness is not only a new relationship with God it is also a new kind of existence a new quality of life of attitude of action rightness within one's life and in his conduct it is the triumph of good over evil not as man's doing but as God's work What he says is that Paul came to this point of salvation when he understood that he had no righteousness of his own. But God brought that righteousness upon his life when he gave his life to Christ. He wasn't righteous, and then, because of his righteousness, came to salvation. It was in his unrighteousness he realized his weakness. And once he received Christ... God brought that righteousness, that right standing before God into his life. More than merely acquiring the superficial head knowledge, Paul wanted to connect with Jesus Christ on the closest relational level. And I think that's always a challenge for us. Because Paul wasn't sitting in some ivory tower being able to contemplate the wonders of the world Paul was out hard times working ministering his missionary journeys numbers of times left for dead imprisoned beaten scorned ridiculed his life was not easy So we cannot use that term, well, I'm just too busy, or I I just don't have time, or I just have obstacles where I can't grow in my relationship with Christ. I just don't have time. And I would say, Paul would say, you have time to come to this place where you can have that kind of close, possible, as possible as you can, a relational level with him. And that's growing in Christ, learning more about him, reading the word, letting God speak to you growing close in that relationship and that takes time he goes on to say in verse 10 I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death Paul wanted to know Christ and the power of his resurrection neither the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ nor Paul's own resurrection is the emphasis right here Rather, Paul wanted to experience his, in his life the quality of the spiritual power that brought Jesus Christ back to life after he was dead. Let that sink in for a moment. That was Paul's desire. He said, I want that kind of of spiritual power in my life and you know what you can have it because God his spirit lives inside of you God lives inside of you he says to know the quality of the spiritual power to understand it completely to help us overcome any obstacle to be that close to christ paul spoke about this in romans chapter six verses four through eleven i'll let you write that down i don't have time to read it today but that is where that is an incredible statement that he makes We also see that Christ showed by his resurrection that he has the power to conquer death and ultimately to provide life to every single one of us and give us life everlasting. That's that supreme power. Christ became alive. And in the midst of that, not only did he become alive, he gave opportunity. He said, Because I live, you live also. We have that capability. This knowledge was most valuable to the Apostle Paul. It was more valuable than anything else. In addition to knowing Christ and the power of His resurrection, that by the way, that power of the resurrection which lives in us allows us to overcome anything that we might encounter. It doesn't mean we won't go through those difficult times and those obstacles, but it it will help us through every single aspect of life that we have. That's the kind of power that we have. And then he said, I want to be a part of the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, I could surely say that probably many of us here would say, yes, yes, I want to know the power of the resurrection. But when I talk about the fellowship of his sufferings, maybe, maybe we'll think about that a little bit. Right, Because we, we bemoan the fact that we go through sufferings because of Christ. We don't like that. And it's not just any suffering you go through, it's suffering for Christ. But see, for Paul to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ meant sharing the fellowship of his sufferings, even if it meant death. For Paul, he was sold out. Anything that Christ wanted him to do, anything that Christ wanted him to go through, he said, I'm in. Do I like it all? No. But you know what? My mission is clear. God has gifted me to do these particular things. And I'm going to I'm going to go straight forward through my life to accomplish that. The fellowship of suffering. You know, you go back in Philippians chapter two, verses five through eleven. It was such a great passage that we, we studied. Paul said, "Listen, we all need to have the same attitude and mindset of Christ." And so, our preparation. For heaven involves becoming like Christ, being conformed to his image, as he said in in Romans 8.29 and Philippians 3.21. Jesus embodied humility and obedience to God as he walked the path to the cross. He was willing to do whatever it took, and that was given himself. And so Paul says, well, that's what I want to do. I want to know that. I don't only know the good stuff, the power of his resurrection, but I I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I, I want to be so close to him that I understand what that is like. The very purpose God sent his son was to suffer and die that we might be saved. To be like Christ... We must enter the fellowship of his suffering and death, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.10, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies, whatever happens to them. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he reiterated his uh, desire for that, uh, to, to share in that dynamic union with Christ, that all in. He said, I... I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This passage, he talked about dying to himself. That's the old stuff. Now there's a the new stuff coming on, which is the new creation. And he said he's committed 100% to Christ, even the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul taught that... In 2 Corinthians 1.5, that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. It gets a little uncomfortable when we start talking about that. The suffering part. And yet it says when we do that, because we are striving to live a life for Christ, he says if, if you suffer because of my name, I'm going to shower you. I want to shower you with my comfort to get through whatever you're going through the early apostles believed that participating in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings was part of the preparation for the future glory um, to a student Timothy in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 Paul said everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution so there's not really a way to escape it you're going to live the way that you need to live for us persecution like that right now is verbal it's ridicule it's people saying well I can't even believe that you would you would believe that or go that direction or if it's for you whatever But there are 330 million believers in Jesus Christ around the world in countries that persecute Christians. Really persecute them. Peter urged believers to not be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if some strange thing were happening to you and yes he's talking to those believers in that day who were being persecuted but the Scripture is for all of us and so he comes and he says listen don't don't be surprised don't think this is a strange thing if you're sold out for Jesus and you're striving to know him intimately because the devil Satan and his demons are at work whispering in your ear throwing those fiery darts at you, doing everything that he can to try to put you to the side since he can't take you over. So don't be surprised, he says. He says, instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So I said, don't be surprised. Don't think something strange happening, but be glad when this is happening. <coughs> I'm sure many of us would be overly glad at the beginning. But reflecting back as we walk with Jesus and we see His glory, and we see that we are intimate with Him, it changes our entire perspective. And then in addition... Paul also aspires, in verse 11, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Hear this once proud Apostle Paul that was described last week in verses 4 through 6. We see changed. Now he is a humble, he's a saved Paul, devotedly confident that he too will be raised from the dead the full confidence that this world, no matter what happens, that He is with Christ for all and eternity. You know, as we share in the hardship and the persecution on our way down to the path of the cross, always remember that Jesus is our co-companion. As we walk down that journey and through this life, striving to grow closer to Him and more intimate with Him, He promises to never leave us alone. He says, go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always, even to the end. the age he's always with us never alone he has eloquently told us in these verses that the greatest treasure of life is to know Christ and the treasure is of supreme value no matter what it costs you in any capacity you probably either read the novel or saw the uh, 1959 version of the movie Ben-Hur. It is a thrilling story of Judah Ben-Hur and his conversion to Christianity. And one of the most moving scenes, if you have seen it, is the scene at the cross at Calvary. It touches your heart. Maybe this season you might go back and watch that movie. The author, a Ben-Hur, was a politician by the name of Lew Wallace. <coughs> Lew Wallace was challenged by Robert Ingersoll to write a book about Jesus. Now remember, if you will, that neither um, Wallace nor Ingersoll were Christians. In fact, um, Ingersoll was an attorney and a lawyer he was an agnostic and he spent over 30 years attacking Christianity wherever he could but one day Ingersoll and Wallace were riding a train somewhere and Ingersoll looked at Wallace and he said you know you ought to write a book a novel about Christ about the moral influence the moral value that he had he said I I think it will be a bestseller. And so Wallace took him up on the offer. And so Wallace became the governor of the New Mexico Territory. And during that time that he was the governor of that territory, he wrote that novel. And kind of an interesting thing happened as he did all of his research and, and looking through the Gospels and, and researching, he came to realize that he needed Jesus Christ as his savior and he gave his life to Christ. Many times when a person without Christ takes seriously the claims of Christ as they're presented in the gospel, that person becomes transformed and they discover the greatest, life's greatest treasure. And I'm asking you today, have you discovered life's greatest treasure? Honestly and seriously, is that something that you have found? Because you can search the world over. You can even be involved in church all through your life as a religious activity. But if you haven't had that life-changing experience then you don't have Christ and our invitation today I'm just asking you do you have life's greatest treasure in your life do you have Christ do you have a passion in your life for Him to be the supreme in your life be you willing to say everything else is rubbish, garbage? I would lose everything in order to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, knowing that I, I will too be raised from the dead. And so my question to you, is there anyone here who would like to give their life to Christ? Is there any believer here who says, you know what, I really, I really need to come to a place where in my Christian life I have that kind of hunger and thirst and passion to know Christ intimately. And so today, I want to rededicate my life right in the pew where I am and say, I, God, with everything I have, with the spirit that you have placed in my life, help me, help me to learn more, to understand, to be more intimate with Christ and to live it out. And maybe if Christ is speaking to you today and say, you know what, this is a time to come. Be a part of this fellowship as we strive to serve this community and serve each other as we serve God, then we ask you to come. Please stand if you would. Father, I pray that you will help in this time of invitation to speak clearly to us. And whatever decisions need to be made privately or publicly, I pray, God, that we would make those decisions right now. if you would.
7: In each of our lobbies, there are three sign-up sheets. There's one for the men's fellowship breakfast, which will be on Tuesday, April the 11th. Please make note that's a week later than normal because of Holy Week. But we do encourage you men to sign up for that. Lee Clawwitter, one of our newest church members is going to be speaker on Wednesday evening at four o'clock April the 12th we will have our partners on mission and our speaker will be Pastor Joseph from Set Free Ministries in Phoenix you will be blessed to hear about that ministry so please sign up and indicate what you're planning to bring and then the third one is for all of the women on Saturday, April the 22nd, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the CLT, (coughs) spring into fashion, fashion show. Sorry, men, there are other things for you, but this is for the ladies, (coughs) on April the 22nd. Please take the time to sign up and be a part of that fun event. As mentioned earlier, there are postcards on both tables in the lobbies for you to pick up and take to invite friends, neighbors, relatives, to the spring musical or the Easter musical next week, as well as all of the services of Holy Week. And then last, I encourage you to pray for the choir. The devil is alive and well. Some of the choir is ill this morning, and we need them back whole voiced for next week. So please pray for the choir as we round third base and come into home to present the musical next Sunday evening.
0: this morning we have lee and kimberly faulkner coming don't y'all come up these are these are some great great folks uh from pennsylvania and they uh, kind of go back and forth eventually they might just be here <laughs> we don't know <laughs> but today they said you know this is the place that we want to to put our roots down this is a place that we want to call home as a church and so this morning they're coming on their statement of faith and uh following not only having believed in jesus christ but also by immersion and so we're so excited to have you all all in favor if you say I, please? aye please and if you're against that the sign no okay see yeah it, it was okay lee it was okay <laughs> oh, gosh i'm gonna ask uh, bob marty dr marty if you'd come and stand beside uh these two folks would you mind doing that You going to flip a coin or over there? <laughs> <laughs> we always like to have somebody come and stand with you guys. Sometimes the Bible study teacher today, it's a, it's a retired pastor. Uh, so, Dr. Marty, thank you very much. When we, uh, when we dismiss in prayer, our folks are going to come around and give you the right hand of Christian fellowship, meaning <coughs> that uh, we're praying for you. We're looking forward to working beside you in these days ahead to do kingdom work. And I know that you're going to be a blessing to us, and I pray that we'll be a blessing to you as a congregation as well. So welcome to your church family. Okay, all right. You guys have anything that you want to say? No, I'm just going to I'm anxious
4: to be here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's such a blessing, such a blessing. Okay, all right. Um, let's stand, and we're going to have our closing prayer. Then you come, let these folks know, and uh, thank you for being Oh, you're going to do the prayer. <laughs> well, I think he can do double duty, so we're, we're okay. We're okay.
4: Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we just heard the message on having joy on the journey. Your disciples in the Gospel of John were confused because they didn't know how they were going to get along once Jesus left them. The journey we walk on, we do not walk alone, but we walk with Jesus Christ by our side and with your spirit in us. So, Father, we pray that our journey might become a joyous journey, a time in which we rejoice not only in knowing Jesus, but in sharing him and his love. Thank you for the power of your spirit. Thank you for the peace that you give to us. We pray for the couple that came today to become a part of our fellowship. Might we join them, they join us in working together for one reason, that is to spread the good news of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.
6: Thank
4: you. Thank you,
6: Oh, I'm singing in right now.